Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our pastors, Zach Rain. I have um, attended this church for 20 years. It was called Bethel Christian Life Center 20 years ago. And uh, I started attending. I had been a pastor and we were um, with our kids. We were thinking, what's a, what's a good church to attend? And we met you people, you know. And um, later... Pastor Bruss said, would you help with the children? So I was the children's pastor for a while. How many, stand up if you were in children's ministry and I was the children's pastor. Stand up. All right. You've heard everything I got to say, so you can go home now. All right. And... Now I am, I still serve on staff here at Connection Point Church, hopefully. Well, you're just supposed to do that, are you? Um, with Pastor Jeff Carlson. Is this exciting? <laughs> Pastor Jeff Carlson. Um, I, re, I remember Pastor Jeff, he was a little boy in Bible quiz when I, I think the first time I met him, but I knew his big sister, Megan, and... Um, so I'm kind of excited to get to know him, really get to know him and Amy. And I'm not going to try to name all eight kids, but I do know, I know their names. I know their names. Um, so, but it's exciting. What I do full time though, Monday through Friday, I'm not here in my office. Monday through Friday, I am a hospice chaplain. And I, so any stories I tell you might, might really have that kind of um, flavor to them a little bit. One of, the, one of the girls that was in, now she's a teenager, she used to be in children's ministry, said, are you still the children's pastor? And I said, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly. I, I kind of am, because right now, normally, I'd be up in the children's church doing an elementary story right now. I don't even know what the story is this week, but Pastor Mark Whitehead's got it for me, so he's, he's got it covered. And... I said, no, I'm a hospice chaplain. She said, well, what is that? I said, well, I, I visit people that are very old or they're very sick and they're, they're dying. They're going to meet Jesus real soon. And she assessed my entire ministry. She said, that's boring. <laughs> I've been getting too arrogant lately. So thank you. Thank you for bringing me back to earth. I've, I also, uh, I do a chapel once a month at Friendship House, uh, which is a, the senior apartments up here on the same street we're on here on Cumberland. And today's my day to preach. And today would be sermon number seven on a book I've been really diving into on the book of Colossians. So I'm going to practice it on you before they get the real sermon. Is it, is that okay with you guys? little rehearsal will not hurt me. I could use the practice anytime I got to preach. So Colossians chapter three, verse 16 and 17 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God and everything, whatever you do in word or in deed, giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus to God the Father through him. And my prayer is that through this message, the word of Christ will inform everything you do, everything you say, everything you think. Is that, is that a small enough prayer? Everything you do and say and think. That's my prayer for you guys today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. It, it, we exalt the word of God as the authoritative, God-breathed, God-inspired word. And I pray that his word will speak to our lives, that we'll understand what God wants to communicate to us today and that our lives will be changed, will be transformed because of that. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, this uh, little passage is in the middle of a bigger passage in this little, uh, little book. And the passage is about reproducing the character qualities of Jesus Christ and Michael Ivey last week preached my introduction. Thank you, Michael, for giving a small introduction for my message that we can live like Jesus, that we can produce fruit, which are those qualities, love, joy, peace. You guys know them, right? Patience, kindness, and on and on. Okay, there's more. We can produce fruit, live like Jesus. And Michael said, as a result of his presence in our lives. And that's the context of this verse. I think this is telling us that a follower of Jesus Christ lives with the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There are some advantages to being a believer, to being a follower of Jesus. And one of those is that instead of sin living in you, the word of Christ can dwell in you. Romans chapter 7 says that uh, what I do not want to do, I do, I'm, you know, because sin lives in me. Isn't that gross? Sin living inside of you, living in you, like taking up uh, residence there. And what, who we need to live with, what we need to live with is the word of Christ. When I was a uh, young dad, I built a little dollhouse for my, my daughter, Sarah, out of some uh, little plywood and stuff. And it's been in a box in the garage. I have grandchildren now. I know I don't look that old, but I do. I have grandchildren. And I thought, well, I'll get that box out of the garage, bring out the dollhouse, okay? It's interesting that this word for uh, dwelling, the word of Christ dwelling richly in us is, comes from a word for, a Greek word for house. Oikos is in there, but in a verb form. And so I got this dollhouse out, and I thought, oh, the kids will love to play with this. But there were already creatures living in the dollhouse. <laughs> I evicted them. <clears throat> and got some spray, you know, you know, the bleach spray, and swept out all their little droppings. I even had to pull up the carpet. It's felt in a dollhouse, right? I pulled up all the carpet, new carpet, and scrubbed the house down, made it nice and clean. So the word of God can evict sin from living in your life. 
And the word of God can clean up whatever mess that sin has made in your life. This is a great advantage to being a follower of Jesus. You can be set free. And the word of God can work that in your life. Um, An effective way to break out of a sinful habit is to memorize scripture that addresses whatever your spiritual need is. Psalm 119, I will read this one. How can a young man keep his way pure? This is verses 9 through 11 for those of you that are taking notes. How can a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Do not let me stray from your commands. In my heart I have hidden your word that I might not sin against you. This uh, week, well... Every other week, um, I visit the Bible woman, okay? The Bible woman is 100 years alone, and her, she's lost her vision. She has a big tattered Bible, you know, one of those big King James Bibles, with, and all the pages are worn, and, that, and sitting with it, she has a flashlight and one of those uh, magnifying glasses, and she can't see the Bible anymore. It's a huge print Bible. And she can't see it. But every time I see the Bible woman, we sit at her kitchen table and she starts quoting scripture to me for an hour. We talk scripture back and forth. Then we go into the second hour. And then I say, Bible lady, I got I got other people to visit. <laughs> We've got to quit. What if you were blind? You know? What if you couldn't? It's so important for you and for me to have God's word hidden in our heart. She has invested her life into memorizing scripture in the King James Version. Fortunately, I grew up on that, so I know what we're talking about. And she has absolutely no fear of meeting God. She's going to meet him pretty soon. She's 100 years old. She's going to meet Jesus really, really soon in person. Um, She says, I'm not worried. He's with me every day anyway. So, man, what's your excuse? (laughs) Uh, I want to know God's word. I want to have it in my heart. I don't want the word of God to be something I I add in. I think I'll make a little meme and I'll add that to my my other crate. How many of you have me on Facebook? Those of you that don't, forget about it. It's not, it is not worth it. Don't do it. Um, but I want the word of God to be more than just something I throw in there occasionally, one, once in a while. I want this to become a part, something that dwells, lives in my life so that it can make a difference. It's not an additive. God's word must be the fuel upon which you run every day. And stop being so cheap. Some of you are cheapskates. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. The word says richly. And you know what it means in the Greek? Richly. It means it does. Absolutely. Um, In the house of a rich person, I'm not a rich person in some people's eyes, but in other people's eyes I am. But anyway, if you were to walk into what you consider the house of a rich person, would you expect to find a lot of furniture or a little furniture? A lot, okay? If you were a person in whose heart the word of Christ dwells richly, 
would you expect to find a little of the word of God or a lot? All right, stop being so cheap, you guys. Don't be like me and milk. You know, I watch, I watch my gallon of milk. And when it starts getting down, I start saying, uh, I'm not going to actually use that much in my cereal. I'm just going to use a little bit because I need some for my coffee. And then, uh, and I sure don't want to run out and have to go back to the, the 1% that Lizzie has. Ugh. You know, that would be terrible. I start, I start scrimping and getting cheap you know, on my milk, because I'm thinking, when's the next time I can get to the store to get milk? I'm busy, you know. Um, stop limiting yourself on the word of God. Change your mindset on this. You're rich. I want as much as I can have of the word of God. I want to fill my heart in as many ways as I can. I read it on paper. I write it in my journal that's really helpful sometimes. Well, I know I read it, but I'll sit down and I'll copy a whole passage into my journal. And it just helps me. Uh, I don't know if you guys can tell, but my brains, it's pretty wild sometimes. So I need some focus and sitting down and writing in my journal, an entire passage of scripture helps me out. I put it, I play my Bible on my phone. I have you version. You guys have you version? All right, I start playing it. I hook it to the Bluetooth of my car. And as I'm driving, it's reading God's word to me while I'm driving. That's why I ran you off the road, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was becoming rich in the word of God. Get out of my way. What else can you do? I'm sure I had a bunch of other ideas, you know. So be rich about it. You got, do you parents have a, a Bible storybook you read to your kids? Get, read the Bible stories to your children. Just make every day a rich experience in God's word. Oh, sing it. You guys, everybody, you guys know me. Seeds Family Worship and Jumpstart Three Songs are just scriptures that you can dance to and, and sing to as well. Um, but study it. Study God's word. Get, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper the more I study it. And of course, this verse says, live with it. Live it out richly. Dig into the word of God like it's an NCAA tournament, man. I know what you guys are into. You know, I can tell when I talk to you. Okay. So a follower of Jesus lives richly with the word of Christ and a follower of Jesus Christ teaches the word of Christ. This is actually an echo of something Paul introduced in chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. Read that sometime, where he says the exact same thing, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom in order that we may present every person mature in Christ. Because that's the theme of this book. So he repeats it here, that we teach the word of Christ. So one of the, another advantage of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that faith in Christ is communicable. It isn't just you. You get to, it comes across to someone else. That's what discipleship is. When you say and do things in the way Christ does them, other people near you catch on and they become like Christ and they start saying and doing things that are like Christ because you've got God's word dwelling richly in your heart. 
Some people say, well, you know, not everybody's a teacher, the Bible says. Now, hang on. What's the Great Commission say? You guys know it. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you all the days until the end of the age. In order to fulfill the Great Commission, I need every single one of you to participate in it. There aren't any exceptions. Well, I'm not a teacher. That's a different passage in the Bible where we're talking about spiritual gifts. Not everybody holds the office of a teacher. There are many, many other ways to teach, but every single one of us is responsible to be teaching the word of God. And notice the verse gives us two ways you teach it, in word and in deed. Your word and your works. What you say and what you do are actually how you teach the word of God. And you say, well, I don't know the Bible like you. You don't need to know the Bible like me. I know it in a crazy way. You don't need that. What, suppose all you have is just a little tiny seed that you know. What can you do with that? A lot. The little bit you've got, teach it. How do I teach it? I don't have a class. You don't need a class. This isn't about classroom teaching. This is about having the word of Christ in your heart so that it just can't help but come out in the way you act and the way you talk. That's teaching in, children don't learn from lectures. They really don't. It's not the most effective way. I want everybody here to be involved in children's ministry as well. But children learn from example and participation. That's how, you, that's how you're a teacher. Show someone the example, live the way you should live, and let them participate with you. And when the, the most, and I've told you this before, I hope you didn't forget the most powerful thing you can do for a child is go over there in any area of children's ministry and be an adult who loves Jesus. And that little child will just see you that you love Jesus. You don't have to memorize a lesson. You don't have to be able to quote Colossians 3, 16 and 17. You just show them how the word of Christ lives out in you. And when that little child sees you loving Jesus, they're going to be inspired to be like Jesus when they grow up too. That is powerful because the word of God dwells in you richly. You can teach. You can do it. It is communicable. God will work through you to do that. So a follower of Jesus lives richly with the word and teaches the word. And a follower of Jesus Christ thinks like Christ. See, this is, this is a huge advantage to being a believer in Jesus. Because the word of God transforms your mind. Remember Romans, don't be, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. You guys know that. The, as you dwell richly in the word, you, your mind will be transformed to stop thinking naturally and to think supernaturally. Oh, I wasn't going to say this, but the background of this book is Paul never went to Colossians, went to the city where the Colossians live, Colossae. He never went there. Read the book of Acts. Show me where Paul went there. He never went there. He skipped it. 
So why is there a church there? Because somebody listened to Paul. And they went over there, and they communicated the gospel to people in Colossae. And one of those people was a guy named Epaphroditus. Remember, he was a friend of Paul's. And Epaphroditus saw that they were in trouble because there was false teaching. You know what the false teaching was? That they were being taught to think of things in a natural human way, human philosophy, human wisdom. That was the danger they were in. Let me give you an admonition. Admonition means, means a, a, a warning to do better, kind of. If you only see things in a natural way, you need to change. Let me give you that, okay? You need to let God's word supernatural. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to change you, to change how you view life, to change how you view marriage, to change how you view sex, to change how you view politics. Your mindset, your worldview can be transformed by God. Not through spending time listening to the radio or on social media. You've got to dig down deep and say, I'm going to let the word of God give me the mind of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual insight so that you may live in a manner worthy to the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good deed and increasing in the knowledge of God. In Colossians chapter 2, it says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. True wisdom comes from Christ. True wisdom. It's not earthly wisdom. It's not natural. It's supernatural, spiritual Spiritual is just a word I use when I mean from the Holy Spirit, involving the Holy Spirit. Spiritual, spiritual. It doesn't mean anything other than that to me. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 5, it's, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let the same mind be in you that it was in Christ Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, We have the mind of Christ. And Colossians 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above. It's a mindset that you develop, and here at the core of it is the word of Christ. Let it dwell in you richly. Everything will look different. Your life goals will look different to you. A follower of Jesus Christ lives richly with the word, teaches the word, thinks like Christ, and a follower of Jesus Christ sings the word of Christ. This is an advantage of being a Christian. You notice the theme here? Each one has an advantage of being a Christian. Uh, you have a song in your heart that nobody else has. I kind of identify other Christians. I see they've got that song in their heart too, you know. Worship is not something that just happens in your mouth or in your head. Worship is not an external experience for spectators, that isn't really worship. Worship is a proper response of your heart to the indwelling word of Christ in this passage. So it's also a response to the grace of God working in your life. Um, this is not one of my points, but I can't let you guys miss this. Did you, do you guys notice there's a word that occurs twice in this verse? Thanksgiving or gratitude, what is it? Uh, singing with thankfulness in your hearts, and then down there, whatever you do in word or deed, giving thanks uh, to the Father. So if, 
Thanks in the Bible in the New Testament is a much bigger word than when we say thank you. It doesn't, it's not limited to little, you did something for me, thank you. This is a bigger word. The core of this word is the word for grace, charis, grace. And, and okay, I'm going to go a little on the side, all right? Maybe I don't have time, but maybe I do. We'll see. Um, this is a whole other lesson for you. How many of you pray at a meal time? Some of you do? Everybody, start praying at mealtime. It's, it's an American tradition, you know. Get some more prayer time in. You're at work, like, oh, don't share your religion here, but it's mealtime. Okay, go ahead, you know. And what is it they say? You say, would, when they ask you to pray at a meal, they say, would you please say grace? And I did, did you know that's the right word? Because when Jesus prayed over the Lord's Supper, the Greek word was Eucharist something, but that's where they got the word Eucharist. And it means the good grace of God. Prayer, this type of thanksgiving is responding to the good grace of God in your life. So when you pray at a meal, do more than just ask God to make it less toxic. Okay. Lord, make this less fattening for me. Stop doing that. I know it's cute. Stop it. Here's what I want you to do, what they used to do in Victorian ages. The mealtime prayers were a time where they invited Christ to their table. Will you start praying that way? That's what, that's what this type of thanksgiving is. It's, it's a blessing of God's grace. Lord, we're grateful for the food you set here, but mostly we invite you to be here present with us. Can you guys start doing that in your prayers? Sit down at the food and say, we invite Jesus. It's, it's great if you sit down with somebody who's not a Christian and you, and you pray that kind of prayer. We invite Jesus to be with us at this table. All right, back to my sermon. I got lost. Where was I? Ephesians 5.19 is another parallel for this verse. Uh, remember Pastor Maddox preaching, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and singing praise in your heart to the Lord. Music does something amazing. I was talking to, to Mike Funk, and not everybody got to hear your testimony of what role worship music played in Judy's life. When her, when her mind was confused, she was brought back to peace by listening to, was that Daystar music? Is that the one, Mike? Daystar? Anyway, it was music that, that worship music they played. And I have seen this so many times, how music will make such a huge difference. I used to, years ago, I would go up to a nursing home that's not there anymore in Monticello, Twin Lakes or Whispering Pines. And I had a little guitar. I would come in there. It was always out of tune. And my voice is out of tune, so it matches. And I've told you why I like to, I don't, I like to sing in nursing homes. You, I told you, right? You guys know this? Because they're mostly deaf and they can't run away. <laughs> I thought you guys knew that one. I say it all the time. Okay, my favorite audience. So I brought it because sometimes that's, how, I don't know what to, how do I communicate with a person who doesn't communicate? So I said, well, old hymns. So I brought my little out of tune guitar and was singing old hymns to a woman 
And there was a woman there that I, I recognized her every time I'd come in because she was always talking and nothing made sense. Her mind was so scrambled. I couldn't understand her. She couldn't tell me what she had to eat for lunch. She couldn't tell me her name, I don't think. Her mind was real scrambled. So I, I'm plunking along singing, uh, and I, I hear the woman with the scrambled vocabulary singing, count your blessings, name them one by one. She, from memory, sang the entire verse and chorus of count your blessings right along with me. Did a miracle occur? No, it wasn't a miracle in the sense that I did anything. It was just the fact that Betty, I can tell her name because she wasn't my patient, that Betty, she was just in the hallway listening, okay? Because you got to sing loud if you sing at a nursing home. Betty recognized something that was in her heart. She had sang old hymns. That, do you guys have, if you're a couple, do you guys have a song? Do you have your anthem? Do you guys have an anthem? How many of you couples have a song? All right. Do we, we don't have a song, do we, Liz? Not really. <laughs> no, don't do the joke, Zach. Don't do the joke. Okay. I didn't do it, Liz. I just stopped right there. Um, most of the time I hear from the Holy Spirit, and that's what he says. Just shut up, Zach. Don't say that. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I was in a nearby nursing home. Well, not too far away. And um, the nurse said, make sure you go see so-and-so. I can't say the name because they are my patient. That patient is sleeping all day long, think they're slipping away. So I want you to knock on the door, wake that patient up and visit them. I said, I, that's my plan. I said, I went and the patient was asleep already, but uh, I went back, woke up the patient, brought in my little guitar. And let me tell you about this little guitar. That guitar was, I got from Greg Dean. Greg Dean bought it off eBay and Greg, Greg loved musical instruments, you know, and uh, I, so every time I get out my little guitar, I remember Greg Dean, you know, and what a, what a blessing that he was to have me buy the guitar from me. But yeah, um, so, and it's all busted up. If you carry a guitar in and out of the cold and the heat and the air conditioning, and the guitar has been glued together with epoxy and pennies and things like that. So I don't need a better guitar. It'll, it'll just tear it up. I have a better guitar, but, but so, I'm not asking for a guitar or anything. Brought in that beat up old guitar, tuned it up. The patient is laying there asleep, like he's slipping out of this world. And I started to sing Amazing Grace and in the garden, plunking away on that little cheap, broken guitar. And I saw his eyes open on the, in the bed. And then I'm, the next song, I see his mouth moving. And then the next song, I hear his voice. And the man who couldn't remember anything. Oh, I said he was a man. Sorry. If that's a HIPAA violation. I have to go to jail now. <laughs> or pay a fine of $250,000. Um, now you know it's a man. I'll say man. Okay. The man starts singing hymns with me. He had no, his memory's gone. And when I finished a whole bunch of old hymns, I packed up my music and zipped my guitar back up. And he says to me, repeat that. 
he enjoyed the experience of something he had hidden in his heart coming back to him. Music will wake up things in you. Music will stir you. Let it, I don't know what kind of music you, stirs you, but let it be the word of Christ. Let it be from the book of Psalms. Let it be the great hymns of the saints. Let it be singing in the spirit. That's what spiritual songs is, singing in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, if you don't believe me. A follower of Jesus lives richly with the word, teaches the word, thinks like Christ, and sings the word of Christ, because a follower of Jesus talks and acts like Christ. See, the advantage of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that now you have a divine purpose for everything in life. Everything, whatever you do in word or deed, giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, to God the Father through him. So the word thanks, again, it's broader than just saying thanks. This is a verse about the grace of God influencing everything you think, everything you say, everything you do. You can't hide what you live with. Have you ever lived with a cat and tried to hide that? Can't be done. There are a lot of things you can't hide. In... You can't hide it if you're really, really dwelling richly with the word of Christ. Your words will change. Your actions will change accordingly. So in this passage, what did we learn? I learned some things. I learned, I hope you learn. God wants to communicate with you. That's what the word is all about. The word of Christ. Dwelling. God wants to talk with you. Wants to communicate with you. God wants to tell you something that will change your life. And God loves singing. Um, all week long, Emily, I've been singing an old song as I'm preparing my sermon. You remember Carmen? Are you, are you old enough? To, you're, you're old enough to remember Carmen? Yeah? All right. So, man, I just, I even searched on Amazon Prime. Carmen had a song just like the one you sang where he just has these, the names of Christ, the names of God. And I searched Amazon Prime, play Carmen, his name is life. It doesn't exist. It's not on Amazon Prime. You got to go to cheap old YouTube to find it. But So I, I found the lyrics, found the chords. I just keep singing this song. So when you were singing the one you sang, which I have no clue what it, <laughs> where that came from, but, but it reminded me of the one I've been singing, singing the names of God all week long. God loves singing. You can teach the word of God through singing. You can express what God is doing in your life through singing. God is interested in what you have to say and what you have to do. Everything you say and everything you do. And God wants you not to be cheap, but to be rich in the word. So my prayer for you is that the word of Christ will dwell in you richly, that it will inform everything that you say and everything that you do. How many of you want God's word in your heart? Let's do, let's do more to let it dwell in us richly.